Chris Ridgway, how are you? It's another County Live special. We've got another special interview for you tonight. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm very good. Thank you, Martino. Um, good to see you looking well, as ever. We've not had this for a couple of weeks. I'm looking forward to our catch-up in a little while. But yes, Gary Dicker, a special guest on the show tonight. Very, very excited for this. I mean, over the last few weeks, we've had loads of great players. But Gary Dicker is one that people will remember from recent years. A fantastic servant for the club. And uh, I've got to say, a great talker as well. I don't, I don't think there's any reason to delay things. Let's uh, go straight to your interview with Gary Dicker. Enter Gary. Gary Dicker, welcome to Stockport County Live. Good evening to you. It's a little bit of a, a strange time at the moment. We're not doing this in person or at the ground or at the training ground or anywhere in between. Uh, we're still sort of in lockdown, still sort of in quarantine. So it's, it's over the interweb, but how are you doing? I'm good, cheers. Thanks for having us on the show, Chris. No problem. You've uh, you've been around a few different clubs, but just just gives fans a little bit of a, a heads up of where you are at the moment and on what you're doing club wise in regards to training and things. Yeah, uh, well, today was our first day back. I'm at Kilmarnock up in the in Scotland. Strange coming back. We came back in three groups of six: uh, a nine o'clock group, a one o'clock or eleven o'clock group, and a one o'clock group. Um, social distance training wasn't really well wasn't in contact with any player doing kind of everything on your own um, yeah it was, it was strange usually the first day everyone was nervous obviously first day back yeah. I don't know what's happening or, or what you're doing but it was just weird yeah you weren't couldn't even shake someone's hand you couldn't get close to someone we all had to collect our kit and our boots that was all left out for us and getting getting the temperature and getting all sorts done so yeah it's been um, it's been crazy is is there a bit of um mixed emotions i guess when between yourself and your colleagues and even the fans that i'm sure interact with you on social these days that some will just be itching to get it back they just want to get back get back in the game running just physically experiencing football again whatever your role in it happens to be and i guess there's other people who are just kind of not ready yet like don't rush it i'm guessing you're experiencing that from all different everyone you relate with yeah. in the game. well for me i think it's having the option i think I don't, i'm not saying everyone go back and watch football or everyone go back and do this but if you're able to go into a shop or queue outside a shop for four hours that's your own choice <laughs> the same as going to a football game i'm not saying everyone has to go back to normal you can mm. you can still social distance i say at most clubs, obviously, it's different than you're at the bigger clubs in the 60, 70,000. Obviously, you're going to have a reduced capacity, but you could still do it. And it's just when you're seeing everything else up, it's like the school, it's like schools, you know. I don't get why schools can't go back part time where it's two days a week and mm. um, split the cast in half and get back, try to get back to school. If you don't want to send your kids to school, perfectly fine. If you're not, if you're not ready to do that, which I I know a lot of people are vulnerable or have family that are that are ill um, and there's loads of different reasons but I think just because there's such I don't know confusion in what's going on and seeing certain things and you're thinking well surely that can't be as good people queuing up for four hours to go in somewhere to a shop and so yeah it's and football clubs are going to be affected the most as well and, and players I think I touched on it in another podcast is I know clubs are struggling, but it's really the players that are going to struggle. I think mainly probably at not maybe air level, maybe the level all the levels below. You'll have a lot of lads that will probably that are playing full time that will probably end up just going part time and having to get a job and maybe thinking, mm. well, I'm not taking the risk again. So you might see a lot of people fall out of football, young and old. Without without naming any names, if if you choose not to, have you spoken to other players that have? Differences of opinion, shall we say, some who who just aren't comfortable. I, know, I mean, I know that the, the, some of the bigger names that have spoken out, you know, we've kind of seen it in the national media, you know, Troy, Troy Deans and whatnot. Have you experienced any players saying that they're not ready? Yeah, not that they're not ready. I've had, I spoke to a lot of players at different clubs who said they're ready. There's a lad at our own club that his parents are shielding. Um, he was a bit. He was a bit worried, not for himself, obviously, you know, all, all these people aren't worried about themselves, that's the thing, they're, they're 
worried about mm. um excuse me the rest of their family their kids their grandparents their parents brother sister so um he was not not worried he was just interested well interested obviously to find out what training we're going to be doing about the testing uh social distancing and, and stuff like that and um manager in the club spoke to him explained to him i spoke to him and um he was in today and he done his bit of training and then went home but the manager then said to him listen i was there and he spoke to him he said listen if, if you feel uneasy at any point that you don't think you feel right like you don't yeah. need to come in uh and i think that's the thing i think people probably forget that you you do have the option whether you want to go in or not and i think players understand that now i don't think anyone's afraid not to say they're not that they don't want to come in i think that's the i think that's the main thing and the right thing i think that most clubs will be doing i can't see any club that that's going to hold a grudge against a player for for not wanting to come in yeah no that's, that's fair enough and i think just finally then on the whole corona post-corona covid quarantine lockdown football special uh just just the fact just what is the the kind of scripts now in scotland just for those who maybe don't know the, the, the story so well down here are they going to play out any remaining games have you got any, any games lined up or is it just extended training now uh well they called the league um a few weeks ago which mm -hmm. i think it was on the back burner that was it was going to be called for a while i think it was the correct decision uh, money wise what it was going to cost uh the difficult matter of players being out of contract having what do you extend players whether players are going to come back you're seeing certain players in england and the championship that said they're not going to come back so uh, i think those there was so many cons and not a lot of pros for it and you, we didn't think we'd probably get out of it as quick as we could and the deaths have come down thank and god i know there's an awful lot of play, people that have that have died from it um but i think it was the right thing to do for the league and to give teams the chance to probably get themselves together and and players to know where they're at um mm. yeah um so, uh, no, so the, we were back in today and uh we're gearing up for the league to start on august the first uh obviously behind closed doors yeah let's let's move back to the um the focus of the show which is stockport county live <laughs> welcome to uh to county obviously here we talk mainly stockport county and i want to talk about your time with county it wasn't the longest of spells by any stretch but it was certainly a fruitful one and i just want to start just get the ball rolling by your memories of the club when you when when you think back to county no i i know you've played for a few clubs since but when you think back to to that time in your footballing career what are the what are the first things that spring to mind uh just enjoyable i loved it there i think if you talk to any of the lads that were in the team back then and that group uh i loved playing there i loved i loved the ground to be fair uh yeah. the in in with the houses and it's old school you get a lot of ground yeah. now yeah, yeah you're miles away from everything you can't really get public you can get only so far to a ground you've got to get a different way to get there and the train stations across the road away fans and i love playing there uh pitch wasn't always great but um <laughs> now the atmosphere when we were there was brilliant i think i probably went out obviously it was a great time to be there the fans and but just achieved and Obviously, I just remember some of the games that we had there and the amount of people behind there. It just looked never-ending. And it did used to suck the ball in sometimes, just to be fair, and get us over the line. But, no, I met people there as well. Not just players, you know, staff. Uh, Rachel Moss, who worked there, and Grace, and people like that worked in the office. Um, I still speak to today. Uh, I'm really? Sure had any contact with players and staff, let alone people so no i met some great people there in and outside the club to be fair and yeah it was it was actually a springboard from my career in england and i owe a lot to the stockport um but i just loved i loved my time there i think when i watch back at wembley even with my family and speaking to leon mcsween and jim mcnulty when the game was on and just reminiscing about it, it was a it was a great time for us and it was a great time for the club a lot of the players that we speak to from, from 20 years ago to just a couple of years ago and, and anything in between, 
a lot of them refer to counties as a family club, as a, you know, they, they kind of feel, feel like they were part of the community, part of something there. And I think you've sort of sort of echoed that in a way. You kind of said similar things. Would that be a fair comment? I mean, I just don't want to say anything wrong about any of the other clubs that you played with before or after, but there seems to be this vibe that we get from players. And I get the impression that, that they're not just saying it. They, they do kind of feel that there was a little bit of a family feel at, at County. Yeah, definitely. And I think sometimes when people think family club, they think small club. It's a big club. I don't like I didn't realise it when I came over. Uh I think yeah, for me, when obviously sadly they went down the leagues and they ended up in, in the conference, I'd still check the results. And the first thing I check as well is the attendance. And I couldn't believe the amount of fans they were still getting at. And they were struggling, and that's not even when they were picking up and I think people realise sometimes when you get branded a family club as well, people think you're a, you're a little small, tiny, a bit like Kilmarnock up here. People think you're a, you're just a little family club, but it was a family club like that. I think everyone looked at each other, and as I said, I still speak to everyone. But no, it was a big club as well, and uh, I remember when I, before I came down to sign for stuff, but I came down to watch a game they played MK Dons the season before, and the atmosphere then, and I thought. Jesus is a proper football club and I remember sitting in the director's box thinking, yeah, I want a bit of this. I'll have a bit of that, yeah. Uh, how how did how how did the, the relationship between Gary Dicker and Stockport County come around? Because I don't know, I don't think you had this extended career in England. I'm not even sure how many clubs yeah. you played for before that. It was just a, a trial, if I'm not mistaken, or yeah. short spell at Birmingham. So how did how did that come around? Was that Jim's ties with Ireland or, or something else? I actually played against Jim's team in Ireland, uh, Dundalk. I'm sure I was only about, I'm sure I only turned 17, 16, 17. Uh, I was playing in the Irish League. He was at Dundalk and I played against him there. Um, and then he obviously must have kept tabs of me and then I ended up going to Birmingham. Uh, and then I got in touch with him when I was at Birmingham. Or he got in touch with me at Birmingham and asked me to come down and watch a game, as I said, and I came down and I think straight away I said, oh yeah, I want to come here and I want to give it a go. And uh, they paid a few quid for me, uh, not a lot of money, but back then it was probably for a club in League Two. There wasn't many clubs buying players. Uh, I wasn't an attacking player, which you usually spend the money on. So uh, no, I was grateful to the club and, and to everyone that was involved. And, and get me there and um, yeah it just happened quick as I said I, I ended up leaving Birmingham and went straight to Stockport. I think I think it would be fair to say and I don't know if you if you've ever heard this comparison before but I've certainly had it you know in pubs and bars and things with pre-game post-game. Um, Gary Dicker you were compared a lot to a player called Chris Mars that don't know if the, if the name means anything to you. Yeah yeah. In the 90s. Yeah I'm sure he did not play for Southampton as well. He, yeah, well, he, he went on from from County to South uh, to Southampton with um with the former manager Dave Jones. But he was that kind of classy midfield player. Do you know, he was. Um, you you probably won't see him skip past three or four players and ping it into the top corner. But he had that. He, he, he could put a tackling when needed, big hard guy when needed. But he could find that range of passing. He just had. He had that about him. Would that be a compliment to yourself to say? That's. 100%. I remember playing, uh, watching them play as well. But listen, to be compared to any of the team, I know that's going back a bit before my time when I was at County. But we all heard about all these players when we were playing, and it kind of not not added to it. But you want to be remembered of doing something good at a club, and remember all the teams because, as I said, they were in the championship for a long time, and you're in League Two, and you do have fans saying, "Oh, we had this this player, that player." And, you want to make your own stamp and you want to do well for the club and try to get out of that league. And we never really, I can't remember ever sitting down and really, as a group saying, like, we have to get our, not that we didn't want to get promoted, but we kind of we kind of grew as the season went that year. And I think near enough Christmas time, I thought, I remember just going into the games and, and just knowing we were going to win games. But as you said, to be compared to a player like that, yeah, I think that's a, that's a massive compliment to me, not so much him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he no, I'm sure he wouldn't have that. But um 
so so when, when you think about that time that you, that you came into county then and you're sitting and you're speaking with Jim and I want to speak about everything that went on kind of in the dressing rooms and whatever in a moment when you think about when, when Jim was trying to sell the club to you or vice versa and then you go on to what it achieved at what point did did the vision become a reality if you like because you know I know Jim he's an ambitious guy he wants to go and win things he wants yeah. to do this and that and I'm sure, I don't know how exactly how the conversation, maybe you can enlighten us a little bit, went, but I'm sure he would have said, look, we're looking to get promoted. I'm sure he would have said, you know, we're looking to, to crack on and move up the leagues. At what point did that, oh, we want to do this, become we are doing this? As I said, yeah, I remember meeting him in Ireland, actually, because he lived up the road from me, from where I live in Ireland as well, which is a weird one. Um, that is strange. He lived about I swear to God, it must have been about a five-minute walk from where from where I was brought up. Um, so I met him in the pub just around the corner, where we both <laughs> were back in Dublin. He was obviously back visiting his family, and I was at home visiting mine. So small world, yeah. And chatting and obviously talking about he was starting out really in his career, even as a manager, uh, the way he wanted to play and um. You usually do get that. Listen, when you meet any manager or any club, they do try to sell you the dream. And mm. sometimes nine out nine times out of ten, half the stuff maybe grow legs and they just sell it <laughs> you. But um, no, I think I think I knew more so when I went down and watched them play. Uh, they played a different shape. Everyone I know, everyone was playing four four two, and he was playing different shapes. And I could see it because I was always, I've always been a thinker about football and seeing different shapes and different styles. So I could see that straight away. And then obviously then when you get there and you get training and you're getting to see how how you're going to set up the play and what way he wants to play, I think then it becomes more of a reality. And then it becomes, oh yeah, we, we will get success doing it because we've got a way of playing and a style of playing. And um, I think it was then, yeah, as I said, when I went in and started playing, but, I think when it hit Christmas, I think we got into a groove. And as I said, I just going at the games and you just know you're not getting beat. Just unstoppable. When you look at some of those players around you, I mean, what a team. Just that, what was it like behind the scenes? Because as a fan at the time, and this was before, this was before any of my involvement with the radio, I was just a guy living the dream, loving it, just coming seeing these players every week. And it was almost like this feeling, this rebirth, if you like, that like, you, you know, we spoke about those players in the 90s and all of a sudden we had that back. We had this team that was its own identity that was doing bits in the league. What was it like behind the scenes? Who were the guys in the dressing room that you could turn to for a bit of this and a bit of that? To be fair, when you're in the bubble and because we were such a young group, uh, in fairness, when I first went there, you know, you had... The experienced boys had Keith Briggs, who was there, and Tony Dinning, who were great lads, to be fair. Uh, they weren't showing saying stuff or, or letting off the chest, but they were good lads as well. But I think when you're in the dressing room and you're in it, I don't think, I don't think we ever, we ever set back and think, oh yeah, we're, you're, you're young and you're, you're ambitious, but you're naive as well. You don't really look too far ahead. You're just thinking, oh, we've got, you got to just keep rolling with it. Um, but no, we. With good characters, as I said, but we had got a really young team. I'm sure, I'm sure Gazon was the oldest player. Him and Proudy, or sorry, and we had Anthony Elding, who was older, but uh, Proudy and Elds weren't the most, uh, weren't the most, uh, not sure what the word, mature out of the group, I'd say. But uh, <laughs> no, we had a good dressing room, and I think, I think everyone was just, just enjoying being there and playing, and you weren't. You weren't getting too far ahead of yourself. I don't think anyone was rocking about giving it the big one other than Dicko, but that was just Dicko's personality. <laughs> and it's not until you know him that you realise he's a great guy, Dicko, to be fair. I played him at Brighton as well. and you could probably, People probably read him the wrong way, but, uh, but he was great in the dressing room. And he, was, he was unbelievable for, for Stockport when I was there. So, no, we had, a, we had a great mix, to be honest with you. And as I said, when you're in that when you're in football, you're in a bubble, and if you do let it go to you, that's when you start nosediving, to be fair. So, we never really set back, and you never really enjoy it as much as you do. In fairness, I did enjoy the, 
the two weeks after Wembley. But no, we're in the dressing room. I think we're all just hungry. I think staff, players, everyone at the club, fans. I think everyone was just, as you say, was just was just hungry for success and wanting to do well together as yeah. a group. No real individuals. Let's speak about that Wembley trip. Um, I don't. I'm, I'm assuming he did, but I don't know if Jim relayed to you the fact that County had been to Wembley a few times in the past and come so close yet finished so far it, it never quite come off just describe to us if you would that that whole journey starting with well I guess starting with the Wickham game if, if we're honest but the, the whole kind of playoff um, roller coaster call it what you like what has a player been in that playoffs were unbelievable uh, it was a great experience to be fair just I know all games are pressure, but that was when pressure was on, you know what I mean? The playoffs, you're extending your season. We were obviously, I'm sure we were the last, I think they flipped it now, but we were the last game in the playoffs. I'm sure we were all the other playoffs. So we were training for two weeks and it was a bit like, oh, can't train for an extra two weeks, three weeks out of your holidays and, and not go up, you know, that way. Or not even get the yeah, Wembley. Yeah. If we were to get the Wembley, it'd be even worse. And, I remember that Wickham game, it was it was roasting down there, I'm sure it was roasting down there and uh, Big Rains, he went off early doors I think uh, and Jim McNulty came on, Jim was brilliant for us, I was probably surprised Jim wasn't playing, he was probably, people go on about county players but for me, if he hadn't got the injury he got at Stockport or at Brighton at that time, I thought mm. Jim would have been, because he could play left back, he played centre half, his engine was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he was brilliant on the ball, composed. He was, he was quick. He was tall. He had a bit of everything. And I remember Jimmy coming on that day, and we went one nil down. And there was a bit of obviously the two managers were going at it in the press a bit before for that and stuff. <laughs> and we we're all young boys. We didn't really, we weren't really well. We were used to local press, and you maybe get the odd bit of press in Manchester, but uh, we weren't really used to being big interviews on Sky and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it was... Look at you now. It was, it was enjoyable because <laughs> we were thinking, oh, what's going on? Who's going to say something next? You know, it was all sorts. And I remember Jim had, had a pop at Sky about not fixing his, his Sky box and stuff yeah. like that, about interviews and all. And we were all thinking, oh, what's going on? Um, but, no, it was great. And then the game, as I said, and Gleeson's goal that day was, was unbelievable. Have you seen? Have you have you seen a better goal? You, you can be honest. Have you seen yeah. a better goal? I think just for everything that was involved in it, probably not, and just the emotion. Uh, I remember I I crossed the ball into the box, had snow on it, came back out, and he just hit it. And Gleese as well. What a player Gleese was to play with. Great guy as well. And when he hit it, it was just I just remember carnage behind the goal. Perfect. <laughs> that was. It couldn't have been better with the fans behind the goal and remember people spilling over onto the pitch and uh, I know people probably think oh you're over celebrating but we were young lads and it was a massive game and everyone probably thought oh they're getting a bit ahead of themselves it's only it's only one all you know what I mean the way we celebrated but as yeah. I said we were, we were in a bubble we weren't we weren't worried about any of that and thinking about that we were just enjoying the journey as they say and yeah, when that went in, it was just... And I think we were confident because even though, looking back at that Wickham team, I remember I was talking to Leon and, and Jimmy about it. There a lot of experienced players that day uh, that had been about and played at a really good level. And compared to their team, it was it was so much younger. So I think we were confident. I think that was the confidence we had. We thought, yeah, we're getting back to air and, and we'll beat them. Um Mind you, we didn't play great in the second game. It wasn't a great game. Uh, and Dicko scored an unbelievable goal that day as well. One of, one of, um, one of the, the nicest, one of the best guys I've spoken to in football, uh, we had on the show here three, four weeks ago, uh, Peter Ward, who just oh, raved gosh. about that. He, he raved about the whole squad and you can tell how much it means to him. You can tell, um, you know, he, he, in fact, he even brought up that... Um, Whenever he's got a bit of downtime, he just watches those old highlights again, in particular the, the Wickham goal. And um, everything about it, he was just kind of 
basically say what you've just been saying about the, the lads being young and loving every moment of it and everything else. But I, I did ask him about those comments in, in the media, particularly from Paul Lambert. I mean, not to dig up old ghosts or whatever, but yeah, they felt a little, they just didn't feel like cricket, you know. Did, did that spur you on at all? For the record, Wardy said no, but for me, it must have. If yeah. nothing else, it riled the fans and that gave them more energy, which maybe yeah, yeah. Tom's... As so, I, said, we I don't know. It was new to us. It was probably more, as in, as if to say, Jim and Wardy had probably been around the block and seen it more and been involved in it more, been been in the game and more experienced. As I said, we were all just we were all just laughing about it, and not in a bad way, but just thinking, oh, this is a bit of crack. Uh, two of them going at each other. And, yeah, maybe it did up the ante a bit more for us, but no, it was never really said, to be honest. we It didn't matter what somebody said. Obviously, it might add to it. I think it added a bit more to the game, obviously, but no, I probably agree with Wardy. Um, Wardy was a great guy. Listen, I think people, I know he went in and managed after that in a hard situation, but when I was there, and he, I'm sure he collected me a few times or collected me from the train station that time when I was coming down to watch the game and then when I signed. and He was a great character, Wardy. Um, and he was a great guy. He was, he was a good guy. Um, great laugh. Uh, mm. Was serious when he needed to be, and he was a massive part of it back then as well. I think can be easily forgotten because obviously all the stuff that went on after when he got the job, he, he probably looks back and probably thinks he he probably I don't know he probably had a waited maybe a little bit more and took over and it was a bit more stable the club. Um, but now Wardy had a massive part, and he was massive in the dressing room. Wardy was always he was always joking and laughing and doing all sorts to be honest. I um I, I could I, I agree I couldn't help but feeling from but I, I can't think of too many examples where a manager's spell doesn't go as planned, shall we say? Yet it's just not even no county fan would ever bring it up when you speak about Peter Ward. He's he's held in that high regard, you know. Yeah. He's um he's just one of those guys. But to, to bring it back, so we get past Wickham. Paul Lambert's in the rear view. Uh, yeah. We're off down, <laughs> we're off down to Wembley. Um, like I said, I, I don't know if, if you if you were aware. I'm sure I'm assuming that you were. That County had tried that hurdle a few times in the 90s, and it, for, for one reason or another, hadn't happened. Was that extra pressure on you, or was it waiting on you? That, that come on, we're, we're here now. We've been here before, and it's not happened. I mean, maybe even Jim, you know, as a player, didn't happen. But as a manager, can it now happen? And then when it does come off, does it make those celebrations even? Even even higher, if you like, even more exuberant. What was that whole Wembley experience? Yeah, we we obviously knew the club hadn't won at Wembley. Um, they had the feeds, they'd had some sore days there, and um, but I keep going back. I don't as the group because we were so young. I keep saying that we didn't really let it play on us. We didn't. I felt pressure of the game, uh, which you do, but. I remember driving up to Wembley the day of the game. I'd been awake since six in the morning. All my family were ringing me in the pub. Uh, I can't remember the pub they were in, where all the Stockport fans were in. I don't know if you remember it. We, we frequented a few. I've memories a little hazy from before the game, if I'm honest. I don't know, but they were all in it and they were all talking about it there not so long ago and saying it was unbelievable. And I remember being on the phone to them about. 10 o'clock that morning and they were all like oh my god you should be in here it's unbelievable Stockport fans uh, everyone's going mental but I just remember driving in but I don't think it played in people's mind that they, that we hadn't won there before I think just more nervous about the game in general and I remember driving up and seeing the arch and looking at Jimmy and I was thinking oh shit. <laughs> I couldn't believe how big it was you know that way I remember it was <laughs> I said, really get there. I didn't really say it to him. I just thought, only yeah. Really um, I just remember thinking, wow. And then we went in underneath the ground, and you felt, you felt not that you didn't feel, but you felt right. This is what it's proper like to be a proper, proper football playing footballer, being in a big ground, coming in underground, reversing back in in the bus, and then getting into the dressing rooms. Dressing rooms were massive. We had small little dressing room at Stockport. Uh, just getting there and walking out to the pitch, it was yeah, it was 
it was unbelievable. You probably don't. We did appreciate, but you probably don't. But you don't soak it up as much because you have a million things going on. I'm panicking, thinking, hoping all my family get to the ground. No one's lost their tickets or mm. anything that's going on. Um, but yeah, just a build up to. I remember going down to London and we stayed in a lovely hotel. It was proper fancy <laughs> hotel. We were in the club, looked after us. To be fair, um, Jim and Wardy made sure we got a decent hotel. Uh, yeah, like that. So. Yeah, it was just, I just remember the day, I just remember waking up so early and shitting it, thinking, oh no, I woke up too early, I need to get back to sleep, and then my phone was ringing and I was thinking, oh, I'm going back to sleep, and then they're having the best time ever, and I'm thinking, you know what, I'm actually, like, I won't mind switching with one of them and just being there for an hour and just having Really? Just, yeah. Just because just they're living it, a different dream and they're living a different moment and Honestly, my family still talk about it, even though they all watched it on YouTube when it was on, as I said, and they all loved it, to be fair. It was one of the days where they've all looked back on and thought, what a day that was. And um, as a player, as you said, yeah, I think just building up to the game, I was nervous, but I think once the whistle, I think I had a bad, I think I had a bad touch early on in the game. I thought, oh, here we go, don't start. Here we go, yeah. Then after that, I think, we settled down and even though I've watched it a few times, we were in cruise control. I know we conceded two goals which were which were avoidable, but I never felt as I said, I think I touched on it earlier, we just knew we were gonna win. It was just one of them days. We knew we if we showed up and played well, we were beating them. Didn't matter who we were playing there. Pitched helped us. First time we played on grass all season. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, do you um, we knew going there the pitch was big we had good players we knew we could control the game uh, and we did control the game even when we hadn't got yeah. the ball they didn't really they never really hurt us other than the goals I know it's easy saying that they scored two goals but I never felt nervous in the game there you go even when we went 1-0 down I didn't think oh no how are we getting back into the game which you have sometimes as a player I never felt that do you um, do you have any memories of <laughs> Like for any minute while you were on the pitch, did you consciously just snap out of game mode just for half a second and think, I'm playing on Wembley, on TV. This At any moment, did you just have a conscious moment of, of what is happening right now? Did that, ever, did that come into your mind at any point? No, not during the game, sadly. I remember after the game, I just thought, yeah, obviously all the... All the the ups and downs you have in football, all the people that don't rate you and yeah. don't, don't think you're going. I remember just thinking up yours basically to everyone that said you're not going to do anything or even in school, school teachers telling you off. Oh, I've had many of you come through, which we've all had saying that, oh, you want to be a footballer, dicker. I've had many of you come through, come through here, say that. And just, just that, not that I thought I made it in life, but I just thought, you know what, I've came here and if I have to retire tomorrow, I'll retire a happy man because you've done it, yeah. I've done I wanted to play one professional game, that was my aim. I thought I have to play and then obviously you build on that and you set goals and um to play at Wembley at that age and to win and be the first time for the club and I think I sunk in there and all my family were there and I remember losing my medal. I, I lost my medal that day on the pitch as well. When we all really? stayed, yeah, I had a nightmare. I looked down I was like, where's my medal? I lost you were a choke. You not got it back now? <laughs> I did get it back. Oh. I had to walk up and down the pitch. I had to walk up and down the pitch while the the, the drug testers were looking for me. I was like, oh, I'm looking for my medal. I've lost my medal because when we slid, <laughs> obviously it came off the ribbon. I was thinking, oh, it would be me. Oh, yeah, obviously, <laughs> you can't get another one because there's only a certain amount. Yeah. Uh, but even walking up the steps at Wembley, all them, Look back and it's just, yeah. I remember every tackle. I remember every pass that day. I remember it. I remember everything in most games, but I think with that game, it sticks out. Even when I was watching it back, I knew what I was going to do next. And I knew if I was going to get the ball away or if I didn't make the right choice. I knew what was happening when I was re-watching it. And um, no, it, was, it, was, it was great to watch, watch it back and, as you said, to relive it because you don't take it in enough. I, even though you do take it, you try take it in, but 
you're already thinking, oh, next season, league above. Yeah. That's how, yeah, it's weird. That's how, and I know you try and enjoy it, but that's how you are. You're built, as a footballer, you're built like that. You can't, you can't help it. Uh, and if you do, that's when you usually go off track um, a bit. But I remember even, even after that, even after that, the celebrations in the hotel, my family and stuff like that was, it was unbelievable to be honest with you. Yeah, it was just the whole day. I couldn't. It couldn't have been a better day. But that way, yeah. I thought the weather was terrible. But it was, uh, it you take it. Day. You take it. It's a small price to pay. Um, let me ask you. Just just moving on. Um, I spoke to you briefly off there about. I might bring this up. Uh, I saw that you did the the question and answer session on Twitter with the club a couple of weeks back. Um, yeah. Very good. Very informative. But there was one incident I have to ask you about, and it involves. Trying to get to a game on time. If you could just relive that little fable for yeah, it was it was old in my home. I'm sure it was it was a Friday night uh, Friday night game, and they were bringing back the Friday night games that they used to do previously. Before I remember Wardy talking about it, saying how good they were. Uh, we were playing Oldham. I think they were flying. I think they were top of the league. But they hadn't been beaten. Her. So me, Johnny Mullins, and Leon. Leon lived with me in Northwich, and so did Johnny Mullins. So we all used to take turns travelling. But I'm a bit of a weirdo. I hate travelling with people. Or I like I like being on time. I like getting places there. Leon was a disaster. If you have to be somewhere <laughs> for, for one o'clock, Leon would leave at ten to one, even though it takes twenty minutes to get there. I'm like Leon, what are you do? So we used to travel in separate to train and anti games, even though we lived there. You're I was joking. Because he was a disaster. <laughs> anyway, it was a, the Friday game. So Johnny, we were taking turns driving and, and usually for a game. So Johnny was like, oh, I'll bring us. So we're in Johnny's car. And we weren't far off. We were like two or three, two exits, I think, from the ground. I can't remember the name. But it's the main kind of road that leads into, you come off the roundabout and you go into Stockport that way. I can't remember. Oh, up through Cheeto, you mean? Yeah. Right near Rockos and all. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we're about two, we weren't far now to be honest. But where we broke down, it was a good in a car, it was obviously it was about a two or three mile run to the next to the next exit. Uh, but Johnny's agent had come up for London, I think he was from London, so he was at his house. So he was driving, uh, and he ended up past going past us and was down the road, obviously. And he he was going, making his own way or going for something to eat before it. But Johnny said, just follow us to this point and then you can go, basically. All of a sudden, we got a flat tour and we're all like, no, you're having me on. <laughs> so me and Leon, Leon's like, oh, no, you're having me. So we're all like, oh, we're like, ring your agent, ring your agent. Obviously, we all had phones, but it was only the Nokia back then. And Johnny's like, had to have credit and stuff. Uh, so Johnny's <laughs> ringing them, saying, we broke down, like, wait for us at the next at the next uh, slip road if you can so honest to god the three of us are running down the road in a stock bar track suits I don't know how we didn't get arrested we're running in the hard shoulder uh, I had I had my family over as well that night I had my sister and my brother-in-law and stuff and my other brother who lived there was coming to the game so I had people come to the game so I was like I have to play like if you're late for a meeting Jim probably won't play it. I was thinking, no chance. I've got to get here. So we're sprinting. Oh, no, we're actually in a suit. We have to wear suits to the game then. So we're in suits. Three of us running down the road thinking, people are probably thinking, what are these three young lads in suits? So we're running down the road. <laughs> Seen our reservoir dogs. Yeah, I mean, and we're sweating now. And we all have wash bags. So we probably all look like weird. I was in a suit with a wash bag running down the road. We get down there and I'm like, oh, I'm knackered. It's hard running in shoes as well, by the way. Yeah. Uh, we get there, we get honestly, we got we got to the team meeting, we got in the dressing room, I swear to God, it must have been about two minutes before we had to be there. So we're all sweating and panting. And we're like hoping and thinking, Oh please don't like everyone's gonna ask us what we were doing and we were like, Oh, we broke down. But anyway, we played that night and we battered all of <laughs> the match. And it was the night I'm sure I remember it because my sister and my brother in law were in the in the cheat lane. And there was Oldham fans in the cheat yeah. that night. If you remember? Yeah, they, went one nil up. they went 1-0 up. I, I, I hope you weren't involved in the scuffle that was going on that night. That doesn't sound like anything I'd be involved You're the wrong guy. <laughs> that night, and it just stands out because I remember that night. And I got man of the match. I didn't score, I remember. 
we won 3-1 and I remember coming out after the game just laughing thinking oh my god because I was panicking because you're thinking I'm running I'm going to be tired for the game everything goes through your head as a player you're thinking oh no you need to save me energy or whatever and then yeah it just came up and I, I remember it but it was it was a funny story to look back on to be honest Gary it's been it's been amazing speaking to you I've kept you a little longer than I, uh, I said I would so I apologise for that but just before I let, uh, before I let you go I don't want to get you in any trouble so feel free to to nod or shake, de- depending on what you kind of can't say. But any chance in the future, Gary Dicker in a county shirt, one day? You know, as I said, I think I said it on Twitter. I don't think you ever know what's going to happen in football. And the minute you think it's plain sailing or it's going all right, the carpet can be pulled straight away from underneath you. Um, as I said, you don't know. I'm not getting any younger either, so I don't think that'll help the cause either. Uh, I don't think, I think if I had 10 years younger, Jim might look at me. Uh, but, um, <laughs> nah, I think maybe, maybe even after I'm playing football at the club, as I said, you never know where the club are at. I'm doing my coaching badges and I'm doing stuff like that. And I'm, I'm desperate to be involved in football after football. I think I've, I've got something yeah. to offer like everyone thinks they have in football, but I think I've, I've worked under some good managers, some good and bad experiences as we've all had, um, and I've got something to give. So, yeah, I'd, I'd probably say maybe more so when I'm finished playing, uh, but you never say never. I definitely want to get back to a game. I think a few people ask me on Twitter about getting back to a game. I'd, I'd love to go back to a game, to be honest with you. Uh, Last time I was there was Roger Wilde's testimonial, and it was it was obviously one of them where it's it was a quick one in and out, and I'd rather go to a game and sit with the fans, sit in the cheerleading. I've never sat in the cheerleading to be honest with you. Um, well, well, when the football does eventually kick back into gear, you're obviously welcome down as our guest. And next time we'll actually get you in the studio, or at least in the press box, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, rather than from a living room. But listen, Gary, it's been an absolute treasure. I can't thank you enough. Uh, for tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. No problem. Been a pleasure, Chris. Thanks for having us on. So, Chris, Gary Dicker, what did you enjoy most about that interview? The bit that surprised me the most was um, Gary Dicker saying that his family home was five minutes away from Jim Gannon's in Ireland. Talk about talk about a small world. Um, you know, a manager that goes on to, I suppose, shape your career would be a bit of a disservice to Gary Dicker, but at the same time, uh, what Jim Gannon brought for Gary Dicker, the fact he brought him to Stockport County, gave him the opportunity to play at Wembley, propelled his career so massively. It's what a small world that it's just round the corner. But at the same time, I have to say I admired Gary's honesty, um, given that you know he'd not played at Wembley before. It was something that, that daunted him a little bit, scared him a little bit. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know if anybody could tell through our magnificent editing. But uh, there was a little swear word when he, oh, shoo, you know, I'm coming up to the Wembley Arch. So, um, yeah, it's quite funny that we had to take that out. But it just shows that the mentality that goes in there is, um, well, he's just a real person playing football at the end of the day, isn't it? And it is a daunting task going playing at a massive stadium like that. And he does such a terrific job on the day. Yeah, absolutely. What are, what are your particular memories of Gary? So, I mean, I've said this on on social the last couple of weeks in, the, in this build-up to Gary Dicker coming on, um, that he he's a classy he's a classy midfield player. He's a, he's the kind of player that you're not going to see him skip around three or four players. Uh, you're not going to see him ping one into the top corner from wherever. But he just has that motor in him, that range of passing. And obviously a big feature of that interview, a big feature of his life, probably his fondest memory with the club, or well, definitely his fondest memory with the club. Probably one of your fondest memories of your life, big moment in your life, um, Wembley. You know, the magic word, Wembley. Yeah, I mean, clubs like Stockport Council, we don't get too many days in the sun like that. Or at least we haven't previously. It looks like there may be a few sunset trips uh, on the horizon. But, um, you know, County have been to Wembley a number of occasions in the in the early 90s previously. You know, never been victorious there, never been successful so, you know, it was a real kind of will they, won't they day, despite County being the best team in, on the form table, despite on the day you had to kind of favour County, you had to fancy them. But 
it's a cup final at the end of the day. We know that these things can break away from the script. So there was there was huge cause for celebration for the county funds, but at the same time, I think that there was probably in in the in the doldrums of the players, if if you ask the heart heart, so to speak, there were there were some nerves. You know, there were some. Oh my word, we're stepping out onto the big pitch. This is not. There's no home advantage. Do you know what I mean? They might get the home dressing room, but there's no home advantage when you're playing at a stadium 15 times bigger than the ones that you're used to playing at. You know, there's no such thing as that. So both County and Watchdale players that day will have had, um, they'll have had butterflies, they'll have had nerves. But I remember, yes, a lot of the fans on the day, certainly myself, well oiled up by kind of 11 o'clock in the morning. You um, used to so, me. <laughs> it, it, it was a former self um, but um, it, it was a great day all around it was a day that as county fans you, you're not going to forget in a hurry I remember I had, I had a friend over from America for it uh, and he wanted to go to one soccer game while he was over and I said well what better than Stockport County at Wembley do you know what I mean there's there's not really a bigger occasion certainly in our fixture list than, than that prospect and, and we had a great day it's great to hear that the players behind the scenes were laughing, joking, taking it, um, taking it all in in their little bubble in the hotel, if you like, as well. And um, it's just another angle, if you like. I mean, there was there was thousands of different angles that day. Thousands of different memories were made that day. Every single person you speak to will tell the stories slightly differently, and everyone will remember their own thing. So to hear from such a, a pivotal player that whole season, not just in that game, but that whole season to hear his memories of it, his fond memories. And to hear how he's done well, I think, post-county, you know, playing for clubs like Brighton is, I mean, they're Premier League now. Do you know what I mean? That's that's the, that's the quality that Gary Dicker possessed. That's the quality that Jim Gannon unlocked in him. And um, it's just, yeah, I'll never tire of hearing Wembley stories, especially not from those guys who made it happen out there on the pitch. Excellent. Um, apologies for dogs barking and cars going past, but it's very hot, so the windows are open. But, you know... Well, I didn't even hear them. Well, I didn't live, even hear them. Live TV. Um, I played at Wembley twice. Really? Yes. Is that more than Gary? Come Dicker? on. <laughs> Come on. Tell us at this. The, Tell at, us the this. Old, at the old Wembley. First time I worked on Euro 96. So I worked for UEFA on Euro 96. Um, and I was a media manager. So I was in charge of all the photographers at Euro 96. Um, Stuff like that. Was that was that, uh, the, that was the that was the tournament with Stuart Pierce doing the the yes, screen? Yes, and he he ran and I was behind the hoardings where he ran right at me and almost screamed in my face. Um, wow! <laughs> and That's at the end of the at the end of the tournament, they had a UEFA versus the FA uh, match. And even though I I was working for UEFA, I played for the FA. So they gave us all like they did the full Wembley experience. So we had like shirts hanging up in the dressing room. And I picked 20, 23, which is Robbie Fowler's number. So I had a like, full England kit with 23 Johnston on it. And um, play Roy Hodgson was playing for UEFA. Our favourite um, manager. We've had yeah. this discussion before. <laughs> yes, exactly. We could go on for hours uh, about, <laughs> about him. Um, and playing for the FA that day was Mick, Mick Hucknell as a guest player. And also John Gorman, who, was, who went on to manage Spurs for a bit. And John Gorman told me I was a good player because we uh, uh, the FA were leading 7-0 when I came on with 10 minutes to go. And I went centre of defence and they gave two penalties against me in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was like consolation. You know, I like never went near the fella type thing. It was consolation to get yeah. him on the scoreboard. So the second time... The second, the second time John Warman picked me up said, you're a good player, lad, you're a good player. So that was my first wow. time. And the uh, the second time I was working for a PR company and the NSPCC was one of our clients. I don't know if you remember the Green Dot campaign where they, they had celebrities wearing green dots. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. As, part, as part of that, um, the very last week of the old Wembley, they gave out five... To charities they gave them a day each so we organized a celeb football game so i managed to to um get uh, of the 22 players you know mixed in with celebrities i managed to get well um, you're stopped county live radio host martin johnson well, exactly. i managed to get some play up uh, from next to robbie williams no doubt so we had yeah so the, we had the celeb match and then afterwards they let us um 
they let me um, pick 22 players to play another game so of my friends but they had to pay a 50 quid each to go to the green dot campaign but get got to play Wembley a second time you pay 150 quid to play Wembley and, yeah. yeah of course it is it's massive I mean, it's not. I'm sure I've actually played on pitches. That was that the arch. Was that Wembley with the arch or the towers? Wembley with the, the towers. So wow. there you go. That's my Wembley memories. Can't quite match Gary Dicker, but there you go. Will you sign my shirt? <laughs> I certainly will. What you the shirt that you're wearing now? Yeah, this one. Take it off. So tell us about County and how. What's this? The um, this is state of play with the National League at the moment? So, as we kind of predicted, um, National League it will be for County next season, um, or, or at least that's how it looks at this moment. Um, they've gone with the points per game system. Um, as I understand, there are still logistics to be sorted out with um, the fact that there is... Um, but the fact that there is uh, clubs not sure whether they can take part in the playoffs in both our league and the two parallel leagues below us, the North and the South, um, because obviously there has to be a minimum number of teams to, to enter those. Um, but I don't think that would affect County, even if a team was to pull out, even in our league. I, I don't think it would work with the sense that, well, OK, Barnet or whoever can't play in it for financial reasons. So we're going to bump you up. I don't think that's how it would work. But I mean, at the minute, who knows? The National League seem intent on um, just making it up as they go along. Um, as I understand it, they they were really, really late in letting the clubs know before they announced it themselves to the fact to the point where it was only a couple of minutes in between letting the, the club know and, and broadcasting it out to the world. Um, I'm sure they would would argue they're doing things efficiently if they were here. So I don't want to drum on them too hard, but it doesn't look like it's been handled uh, amazingly gracefully. Although, you know, to be completely fair with them, it's unprecedented time. So, you know, let's just take from it what we can. It looks like National League football for County next season. Slightly disappointing. Slightly disappointing that it looks like Macclesfield are going to be safe. Everyone, I think, was expecting them to have a points deduction sufficient enough to see them go below Stevenage and be relegated. Um, it looks like County are going to be the only team uh, representing the Northwest next season, which means a lot of longer away trips, unless Altrincham can do us a favour and get promoted um, in the playoffs in the division below. There's, there doesn't seem like uh, the opportunity for any local derbies next season, which, you know, I, I would quite like if I'm honest. But um, listen, we're a club, whatever league we're playing, we are on the up now. Um, it is a minor setback in what looks to be a very, very major campaign. Um, if County can win this league or at very least win the playoffs, um, I, you've got to hang your hat on the fact with Jim Gannon, with this investment, with this board now that mean business. I mean, look at the kit, look at the kit launch, look at the, the donations that have gone into the NHS, which I want to speak about another very special donation in just a moment. But uh, you look at the statements that the club are now making, you've got to think, all right, it's it's another league, it's another season in non-league. Yes, that's frustrating, but let's take some perspective here. We're very much on the way up. Yeah, you're right. Um, it, <clears throat> I mean, for, for many clubs, um, but it, it could for many clubs, it couldn't have come at a better time. But for Stockport County, it couldn't have come at a worse time. With the momentum that was building with you know the new ownership and the new era but as you say it is what it is we, we will really miss local derbies because they're such a feature of what county have been about over the last few years and by and large have done pretty well in them you know those yeah. united games um the chorley games it, you know it, it's been a big feature of what county have been about over the last few years so that's a shame but you know what counts is is the next season getting the job oh, done yeah. Uh, listen, if it meant every week going away to London or even further south, but it meant for one season and then you're back in the league, you'd take it. Um, you'd take every away week, you'd take every one to be a boring 1-0 win, as long as it just got the job done. Um, that being said, I don't think it will be boring. I think one, <laughs> regardless of where you stand on um, 
players, managers, staff, board, whatever, over the last few years. And we've had a fair few characters come and go. One thing you can never accuse County of being is boring. I, I think that trend will continue, but I think in a positive sense. And uh, it looks like we are, yeah, we're on the march. It's happening, isn't it? I mean, you don't want to sound big-headed, but it's, it reminds me, I have the feeling, I don't want to say this lightly, but it gives me the feel of when, do you remember, I don't know, 15 years ago, whatever it was now, when when Abramovich bought Chelsea and just all seemingly overnight, you know, you could see the transition happening. The, the level of player that was coming in was significantly higher, more experienced. I don't want to say better because I think it's disrespectful to the players that have done so well for us, but they are of significant experience. They've done this before. They've done that before. And obviously we know what happened with Chelsea and let's hope we can have our own little fairy tale story, certainly for the next few years. And it makes it better as local businessmen as well. I think that's an incredible achievement for the old board to have pulled off, making way for the new board. 100%. And you mentioned Kit there, and we have to tip our hat to uh, to our old friend, Richard Landon. Lando's done something special. Richard Landon, is, um, he won't appreciate you calling him an old friend, not because uh, of the old part, but I, I don't think he likes admitting that we're his mates, but we, but we are. Well, no, um, he hardly knows me, but he certainly won't admit he's your mate. <laughs> uh, I have, uh, you know, he, he will also not, he, he won't thank me for saying that. I have been in regular touch with him, regular contact with him over uh, over this whole pandemic lockdown quarantine business. And uh, let me tell you, the guy, I mean, it's good for banter online, you know, um, the media team kind of talking about the trips on away days. And listen, we have... It, the stories that we have come away with um, from petrol station stops and just topics of conversation, and else, they Excuse are something me. else. Bless you. Um, but, but that being by the by, his role within the club and now his role within the community is something that you you, you, you said it. You have to tip your hat to him. You have to applaud them on. Uh, I'm going to pull my phone out here to make sure that I get the numbers right. Um, so Richard has been running this NHS uh, Hoodies for the NHS campaign with his company, JR Sports. Um, if you're a, a local football team, a kids football team, um, sports team of any kind, then JR Sports really are the pinnacle of, of where you go. This is not a paid sponsorship. He's not paying us any money for this. Um, this is just facts about his role within the community. Um, they were running this, this incredible campaign while the NHS um, obviously came under strain this, this summer or these last few months. Um, Stockport County played their part tremendously, huge donation. Then now that the fact that they're donating money from kit sales is incredible as well. Um, and Richard Landon's JR Sports with, with his partner, Joanne, uh, have put this incredible initiative together, selling hoodies for the NHS. They have sold seven, just under 750 hoodies. 750, what an incredible number. Um, and that has, that has propelled 4,000 pounds to the NHS. Four grand. Um, so, yeah, all right. He, he can be a little bit sour-faced. He won't mind me saying from time to time, Richard, but uh, he's a good lad in there. Um, he was a good football player back in the day um, and it shows his community and family values when he does something like that. So Richard and Joanne of JR Sports, um, just thanks. <laughs> just thanks from, from the community because it's an incredible feat. Chapeau, as they say in French. Um, Is that what you say? Chapeau, yeah. Yeah, that's what that's what you say to the uh, when the the fellow wins the Tour de France stage. You say chapeau to him. Chapeau, chapeau. Yeah. What's hat in Spanish? You're a Spanish man. Um. Oh, you've caught. Oh, so you Gor Gorro. 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 You just made that up. Gorro, bufanda, chaqueta, zapatos. That's what you get when you when you're getting wrapped up. But I don't think yeah. we're going to be seeing any cold weather anytime soon. But yeah, Bandana. you've got. Uh, um, and do you want to reveal our next guest? Do you know what? Um, I'm having some fun with not doing this. So I'm not going to reveal the guest. Uh, I am going to say what I've said online. I've said it's, it's you could informally call this our uh, classy midfielders season at the moment, given that we had Gary Dicker on today. Next week's um, midfielder, that we have online uh, on air, I can reveal he is midfielder. If Gary Dicker is a Bentley in the middle of the park, then this guy is a Rolls Royce. Let me tell you that much. He is 
the pinnacle of central midfielders. I would go as far as saying, quote me on this, put it out to the world. Next week's guest is the best midfielder alongside Peter Ward we've ever had. Well, can, you, ever. can you guess who it is from that? Um, we'll be back next time with the Rolls-Royce himself, the best midfielder county I've ever had alongside Peter Ward. Chris, thanks. Thanks, mate.